0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Welcome
1: to tampering.
3: We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. From
1: Sam and Aha!
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to the in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? Then the charges filed impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's kind of awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention Deans anymore. Ask me what I like to
0: play with Kevin Durant. The trial, your one with the tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that right you something? I
1: tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened.
2: Hello and welcome to The Athletic NBA Show, typically called a different name, but today because of the guests we have on here, I'm just going to try to make her as comfortable as possible. I am NBA national writer Sam Amick, uh, here with Lakers owner Jeannie Buss, and last time Jeannie came on the show, her face scrunched up a bit when I shared with her that the podcast is typically called tampering, which is something that owners don't like that word very much, so I figured I'd 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 at least backdrop it a little bit for you today, Jeannie. Thank you for joining me. Always great to see you. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate
2: it. Of course. uh, We were joking as we worked our way through some of the Zoom issues before getting on that uh, your backdrop is is a heck of a flex. You're in your office right now. In El Segundo, we got championship trophies. uh, I'm seeing four out of 17 um, so you know that that is Lakerland, and and you know as we communicated about joining today, um, it comes during this off season, Jeannie, where there is no shortage of Lakers content. You know what I mean? You have three massive media projects: uh, HBO, Apple TV, and Hulu, capturing you know from all sorts of angles this this your life and this you've been at the epicenter of 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 this organization that has been, you know, making history and making headlines and, and being the glitz and glamour franchise for so long. So we're gonna talk about Legacy, the true story behind the LA Lakers. Uh inevitably we're gonna kind of wrap that up in a state of affairs with your team. And I know like you made it very clear, Rob Palenka is running that show and, and the basketball group is doing their thing heading into the season. But you you have had some big time moves this off season. LeBron James signing his extension, Pat Beverly trade. Uh but let's start here with the show. Here's here's my thing, Jeannie. You and I know each other pretty well, been working together for a long time. A lot of my coverage As it relates to your team over the years, if I'm being totally honest, like I always try to be, one of the things I have enjoyed the most about diving into the Lakers story is the interpersonal dynamics, the history that comes with you and your dad and your siblings and all these massive characters therein, the Magics, the Kobe's, the LeBrons. And I have now watched the first four episodes of The Legacy Show. Uh, It's 10 episodes total. You know, last night they dropped the fourth one. It was perfect timing heading into our conversation today. Extremely emotional, tough to watch at the end. You know, Magic announces that, that he had contracted HIV. You know, you are crying on camera. I'm giving too much away for the people who haven't seen it. But, you know, Magic's emotional, uh, specifically at the very end. You know, honestly, editing-wise, just finished fantastically because they cut it right off when Magic is reflecting on his relationship with your dad. Um, and so... But within that is these dynamics that we've never seen this kind of openness from you, from your family members, about the inner workings of the Lakers. And in terms of the creative value of the project, and I think the thing that makes it so different from winning time, which was obviously controversial, and 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 then even you know Magic's program, uh, this is the Bus family story, and told in a way that that I'm honestly struck uh, with how willing you were to, to go down these roads. So it's a very long intro. Let me throw it to you. How is seven years in the making? Um, how has the experience been for you when it comes to this form of, of, of kind of opening up this much to the public and then just watching it unfold publicly and, and watching people's reactions?
1: Um, I think, you know, it was important, um, you know, for us to have an opportunity to tell our story, um, from our point of view, I think there has been a lot of um, interest in the family and the business, and and um, making it um, you know more transparent about our process and how we interact with each other. Um, and you know, I, I think we've always kind of lived like an open book. Um, and I think this deep dive into kind of understanding from where, you know, when my dad bought the team and what his intentions were from the beginning and to where we are now. I think it kind of uh, helps people understand our process and um, what our our commitment is to fulfilling his legacy, which was to make the Lakers the the best team in the NBA. And, um, you know, I it's 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 a lot of a lot of personal stuff, but um that's just kind of how my family operates. And I think this process has been very healing, um especially for the things that have happened the last few years with with my siblings. And um it's kind of brought us all together.
2: So you've said that in recent interviews and I found it really interesting and, and partly as you know because we we live some of this stuff together where I, I'll never forget, you know, sitting down with your brother Jim in Hawaii during a Lakers training camp. And, and you know, if I do say so, like probably one of the most revealing interviews he's ever done at the time, talking about the dynamics, you know, with the two of you guys. And and we know the whole backstory. You know, Jim obviously ended up, uh, you know, getting fired by her, his sister, which is incredibly unique. Um, but then what does the healing mean? What, you know, how has that evolved throughout these past couple of years and then what is kind of the current state of affairs with you and your siblings?
1: Um, what I think was important was all of us had an opportunity to tell our version of, of our thought process of, of, you know, in, you know, my directive from Dr. Bass was to protect the Lakers, you know, and he gave me the authority to do so. Now, um, I believe Jimmy thought the decisions that he was making were right from his point of view, but, um, you know, in, in trying to keep the Laker brand into the way, you know, to reflect what my dad had created, wasn't being done. And right. you know, a failing to make the playoffs years, year after year, after year, that's where it, it, you know, a change had to be made. And, you know, to get back to what Lakers basketball from, you know, what my dad created and what my dad wanted the Lakers to be, we had to get back to that. And so, um, you know, I guess it's really no fault of Jimmy's. He thought what he was doing was the right thing, but, um, I didn't see it that way. So, and because my dad gave me that, uh, authority to make changes. And I, as I've said many times, my dad had his children, but the Lakers were his baby. You know, right, and I right. was in charge of protecting the baby. I, that's what I had to do.
2: So, real quick macro question for you, Jeannie, on the project, you know, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Am I pronouncing his last name correctly, first of all? Okay incredibly celebrated, you know, director. Uh, I thought it was wild. I saw a headline that talked about how five Denzel Washington movies, that's, that's a, that's almost up there in terms of flexes with 17 championship trophies, Um, you know, just hit after hit after hit. Uh, Denzel being a big time Laker fan, I I wondered, you know, was there any connection there in terms of that being the chosen director for the project or, or why not? How did he become the guy, the person to lead the project and also, Were you the one, you know, hiring in these positions specifically? Was it a committee approach? How did, how did the process go down?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we have, um, you know, um, Haven Entertainment is the producer, Kevin Mann, Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert when it comes to Hollywood, They, you know, they were the ones who identified he would be the best person to tell our story. And Antoine is a storyteller. And not only has he directed movies, but he's also uh, directed documentaries. So putting the two together um, and he understands sports and he understands, um, you know, what it's like to be human in this experience. That, yeah, it's a larger than life. Brand, but these are human beings that he's dealing with, so he could bring out the best in every person in their interview. And um you know, he's he he was you know people. You know, it, it's like I, I'm i a name dropper, and when Antoine Fouquad signs on to be part of your project, that's something to really be impressed with. And I really enjoyed working with him, and he's a very very. Busy um, director, a lot of different projects, but he made this a priority.
2: Well, and he obviously did what's so important with any project like this, which is you got the main characters to talk. You are prominent. All of your siblings are prominent. And in terms of the storytelling, you know, you got to pick a lane, and he clearly decided that the Bus Family story was going to be the the focus, and he leans into that, does it really well. But you have magic. You have Kareem. You have. AC Green, Norm Nixon, and you know, just open, honest, and last but certainly not least, you know, it jumped out at me a bit because I had wondered going into the project if Jerry West would be involved, and Jerry sat down and you know shared open thoughts, and and even you know that, of course, in the context of what has been a strained relationship between you and Jerry, but for the purposes of telling the story, you got to have Jerry West in there, and you know, I was happy to see that, that he reflected.
1: Um, I you know I I disagree with you about the strained relationship, but okay. yeah. you know um, that those are your words, not mine. Um, yeah, I mean he was he he was wonderful and and agreed to be on camera and and told his version of stories that you know people are curious about. Um, I think Pat Riley. Um, yep. You know. Paul Westhead, you know, just hearing these, uh, you know, hearing uh, their version of the story. Um, and I think what really touched me uh, the most was hearing about, you know, um, what it was like to be traded away from the Lakers, you know, when you t- bring up Norm Nixon and, you know, the emotions of, of you know, leaving what had become a family Um and, you know, I, I didn't even realize uh, as was revealed about, you know, Jack Nicholson and how upset he was about Norman. Right.
2: right. Traded.
1: Um, you know, I wasn't even aware of that part of it, but, um, you know, it's, Jack's like every other fan, he's got an opinion about. Right. <laughs> every so that's
2: kind of a perfect segue. And, and I will preface this by saying, spoiler alert, if anybody listening really doesn't want to know anything from the show, then. At least fast forward the next ninety seconds, because I, Janie, I jotted down, you know, and, and this comes from somebody who's covered your franchise closely. I jotted down a handful of things that that I picked up on in watching it that I just simply didn't know before that I, I thought were so interesting. So, I don't have all the timelines here, but your dad, um, the year that uh, that Pat Riley becomes a coach, it was in fact Jerry West becoming the coach and, you know, and, and Jerry overruling your father and publicly in the press conference indicating that he was there to support Pat. And, and that's, you know, those are some theatrics, the likes of which we don't see often these days where, you know, that is a franchise altering move that even your dad didn't see coming. Uh, That was incredibly interesting. You had, your father uh, in the, the Vladdy Divad's draft, uh, saying, well, Mr. Kupchak, Mr. West, and the entire front office that wanted Clifford Robertson, Robinson, rather, I think we're going to do Vladdy. And the idea that, you know, th- here's how that hit me, Jeannie. You know, from the media side, we are constantly analyzing owners and their performances and the way they move and their styles. And, and this is, I'll put it this way, I'm, you know, I'm based near Sacramento. And I'm thinking about Vivek Ranadive constantly gets, you know, I think mostly rightfully accused of of meddling too much with his team. But it's, you know, it's meddling when it doesn't work. And and then when your dad makes his choice, Vlade led to the Kobe Bryant trade. And, you know, who knows if, and that probably wouldn't ever have happened if that didn't happen. So I didn't know that he had kind of made that call essentially all on his own. Um, a couple more quick ones here. Your fathers, and, and again, I respected the openness of the documentary to have things like this, you know, your father's what was described as his Playboy reputation costing him a chance at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh not something I knew about before. And the last one was the the subplot on 1979 when Victor Weiss was killed, the agent for Jerry Tarkanian, who was, you know, on his way to becoming the Lakers coach. Your dad was trying to bring him in. The idea that the ripple effect was you and your family thinking that the mob might actually be out for your dad and and by proxy you guys and which certainly had to be a scary time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it was all this stuff was happening in real time and, and just trying to take it all in. Um, but that, that was, um, you know, very, um, you know, when, when things kind of rock your world and you don't know where, where, where things are coming from and you kind of have to just pause and, and, and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, my dad, the idea that, um, you know, when he bought the team, he was having, you know, he had to find a coach and he really wanted Jerry Tarkanian. And, um, you know, that incident took place and Tarkanian said he wasn't leaving Las Vegas right? and they had to pivot and then hire Jack McKinney. And, you know, that it it was kind of difficult for my dad because he didn't have experience in knowing you know, Jack McKinney and then Jack McKinney getting hurt and not being able to finish the season. And then Paul Westhead, you know, taking over. Right. (laughs) You know, um,
2: I love Paul. Paul was self-deprecating looking back on a time that, that at least the final part of his chapter was, uh, you know, not all roses by any means. I I loved that, that he, he kind of shot straight. Um, I wanted to, to read a quick line to you and, and ask you if you agree with this statement. One of our writers, uh, Jason Jones, is on our Cur- uh, Culture Vertical, also a, a widely known Laker fan through and through. we grew up down in LA. Jason has written some stuff about the series and something he wrote I thought was interesting. He says, this installment in Laker content offering uh, or offers a look into how the bus siblings tried to figure out where they fit in the hierarchy and provides a chance. uh, And Sorry, I'm not delivering this very well. Provided the franchise a chance to take control of the stories that have been out, whether via traditional media or films. The idea that it could maybe serve a couple of purposes here, tell the Lakers story in the way that you think is true and authentic. But I'm very curious about the real-time ripple effect of this kind of a project, because when you see things like, Linda Rambis and her history with the franchise and her relationship with you being contextualized, like agree or disagree with the voice that Linda has and the influence she has within your franchise now, I am a sucker for at least help me and people understand the backstories and the root of it. Uh, Kurt Rambis in a similar vein, you get reminded through the documentary that this was not your run-of-the-mill role player. This is a guy who was incredibly pivotal you know, to what the Lakers accomplished as you are, as the project neared its end. I mean, is, is it fair to say that 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 value on your side was, was, was something you considered and do you feel like it might help Laker fans now understand how you guys function?
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as we talked at the beginning of the show, you know, it, it, it was important that, you know, to me, I think we've always been an open book. We've never really tried to hide anything. Um, then, then there became this fascination with, uh, the role that Linda and Kerr play and, you know, where, where did they come from? As if right. they hadn't been all, like I was hiding them all these decades or something. Right. right. So I, I don't know what led to that, what caused people to be curious. But absolutely, I like I said, I feel like we have been an open book, there is nothing that we're hiding. And, you know, we can tell the story um, so that people can have context and, and know where everybody came in. And, you know, at at what point, Um, I think, you know, there's, there's people that don't realize I have two younger brothers. They hear about the, my two older brothers, um, just because of the, all the situations that took place and their roles over the years. But I, I have two younger brothers and and we meet them. So it, it's, um, you know, they're. Who are
2: part of your, your pivotal parts of your basketball operations staff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah. They're, they're very important. And so, um it's it's just kind of letting people be introduced and understand and know that we aren't trying to hide anything and we're not trying to you know create any um, false narrative i mean this is we're we're a family business people can relate to that 75% of the businesses in this country are family owned and operated so we're we're just like every other family there's conflicts And um, we work through them and, um, you know, but the overall goal is to, you know, continue what my dad started.
2: I wonder how has the reaction been, not just public stuff, not just social media stuff. You know, we saw during the winning time reaction, how when a character isn't portrayed the way they think, you know, or even others think they should be, you know, Jerry West was not happy. People around him weren't happy. You have the politics aspect of all these people um, anything even remotely close to that for you and, and, and in general, kind of for the people involved and who lived it, what kinds of reactions have you been getting?
1: Um, you know, it, it's all been positive. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, there's still a lot of the story to unfold. And, um, you know, I think that the Showtime era has been talked about and understood. You know, there may be a new generation that that doesn't know all the stories. But now as we get closer to, you know, the recent events, I think then I think then people will I think there'll be more feedback and there'll be more opinions and there'll be more passion because people were living through these highs and lows and understanding the Shaq and Kobe dynamic and you know hearing you know from Shaq hearing from their teammates you know just kind of where that all you know what was all coming coming together sure. and falling apart at the same time and you know Phil Jackson is you know sits down for an interview as well
2: well and i that part of it you talk about keeping you hooked in you're four episodes in you've already gone all the way through showtime and and there's so much more to come and and that is your guy's story. You have you have never you know found yourselves not in the news one way or the other, not at the epicenter of the league. Let me ask you this though, Jeannie, because one of the themes of the show, I feel like, is a lot of it is in the messaging is you know kind of confirming and, and reminding people why you running this franchise is what your father wanted, why you wanted it from a very young age, and in a way, uh, you know, kind of defending you know that position, defending that that place. And then, you know, so I want to throw this to you looking at the body of work, you know, you, the 2020 championship, that's the pinnacle. You added a trophy, you know, that's the kind of accomplishment that, that a lot of owners in this league, you know, can't claim. And then, but then the debate turns, I think, into a pretty interesting place because I remember in, I guess, 2013, when you guys didn't make the playoffs, hearing from you for maybe 2014, the, for the first time, that you know the long wait from April to October was miserable for you. And I'd be lying if I didn't admit that when you mentioned that same wait to me the other day, it struck me that it's like, man, it's now, unfortunately for you, it's, it's far too regular. You know what I mean? It's seven out of nine seasons not being in the playoffs. So on the whole, in terms of your own confidence level and, and the work that you have done day in and day out, and you're in your office right now doing your thing – how how do you feel about the, the the way you have stewarded this thing and the job that you have done just as a person?
1: Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all judged by wins and losses and last season, which will not be part of the, the documentary the documentary ends in 2020. Okay. So um, you know, so last season was a huge disappointment. Um, I think, you know, if you if you look back Exactly a year ago, there was a lot of media who predicted us to be at the top. Um, we certainly I didn't think I was up, one of
2: them. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we yep. did live up to that expectation, and uh, it was hugely disappointing because you can't possibly contend for a championship if you're not even in the playoffs. So, um, you know, um, we made some changes, and um, you know, I you know, I think changes needed to be made. Uh, we've made um, changes. We have a new coach. and I'm excited to see what he brings. and I want to give him all the the time and resources that he needs to build a successful program. And um, you know, you know, while I'll stay cautiously optimistic, but um, it is a big vote of confidence when LeBron James signs a two-year extension um, when he had many months to do so. And sure. you know, it was a priority to us. It's a priority to the Laker brand that he retire a Laker. Uh, we'll we'll probably um enjoy watching him as he approaches becoming the all-time leading scorer in history. And episode four last night um shows the celebration that we had when Kareem became the all-time leading scorer yep. and chick Hearn even says a record that we'll never see broken yeah and yep. I honestly believed that that was going to be the case that nobody would ever touch Kareem's record and Kareem played for 20 years um you know he didn't get to start till he was 22 and Part of his career, there was no three point line. Right. So, goodness knows how many more points he'd have if, if he was shooting the sky hook from behind the three point line. <laughs> but, um, that's you know, a visual and, right there. Right. Yeah. And so here, here we are, um, you know, um, possibly celebrating another Laker, uh, breaking the record. So, um, there's, I think, a lot of things to look forward to in, in, uh, this upcoming season but i'm not gonna you know go on record and say no we're gonna finish first or second or third or fourth you know I- i'm just i'm optimistic and and you know believe that this is always a work in progress and you've got to make changes as needed and we made a big one when we um, hired darvin ham as our coach
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but you can't get a hold of anyone.
3: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
2: You did, and I absolutely would love to hit on those two topics real quickly with Darwin, because you mentioned the word transparency in, in this attempt for the fans to, to see, you know, kind of nothing hidden about how the process works. When it comes to a coaching search, uh, what can you share and pull the curtain back a little bit in terms of how you move during a search? And and maybe over the years, maybe you've tweaked how you you use your voice and your influence. And and when push comes to shove on a coaching selection, um, are you you know making it widely known internally who you want as the coach and voting? And then and then maybe your vote. You tell me how 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 do you handle a coaching search and how does your voice get used?
1: You know, it's, you know, Rob Polinka is head of our basketball operations. He put together a committee, um, of which I was not on and, um, you know, they went through their due diligence and their, you know, identified candidates, interviewed those candidates, um, and, uh, came, uh, with a recommendation. And, um, I, you know, had an opportunity to, um, I met Darvin before, uh, he was an assistant coach, um, under Mike Brown and Mike D'Antoni. And, um, you know, I got a chance to meet him, but I went with the committee's recommendation as I should. And, uh, I think they identified a great candidate. And when Darvin walked into my office that day, um, it just, it just, um, you know, he kind of overwhelmed me with his presence and his um, confidence in, in feeling that he was coming back to the Lakers, a place where he um, knew he could be successful and knew he was needed and um, brings a strong voice to the table. And, you know, I'm excited to, to watch what he puts together.
2: With LeBron, you're, it's it's just no small feat to get that extension signed uh, because for all the challenges you guys have right now, you know, especially as he comes up on this historic mark that you you talked about a moment ago, you know, that's a guy you want to continue to partner with. Um, and again, asking for the the stuff that I think people enjoy hearing about how things evolve. Jeannie, it was only six months ago when you know I was in Cleveland for All Star Weekend and and actually physically watched LeBron have that conversation with our Jason Lloyd, one of our Cleveland-based writers, about his future and the prospect of, you know, what the future might hold. And do I sign the extension? Do I maybe come back to the Cavs? And he brought up his son. And we all know by now that, you know, Bronny and and the idea of LeBron playing with him is a major priority. And and right after All-Star Weekend, you know, not too long after, it's, you know, the dynamics were such that you all felt the need to get in the room and, and have a good meeting and a conversation with Rich Paul, Rob Palenka, you. And I think LeBron was part of that. So you're, you're working your way through what at least outside looking in seemed to be a, a mildly challenging time, at least trying to get answers as to where is this all going? How are we feeling about the partnership? You know, and then fast forward to, to this month and the deal gets done. Um, you know, can you fill in that gap a little bit for me and help me understand how y'all got there?
1: Um, you know, it's like those are conversations it's best you know first of all i've been warned you know that i can't talk about a uh, underage player or player that isn't sure. you know part of the you know so i don't want to ruin anybody eligibility or or you know cause any problems like that so um i think that um really what lebron is a a, a very passionate person and he wants to be put in a position where he can succeed and that's it's up to people like me and rob our front office to put him in those kind of positions and um you know he felt that um you know what he heard was you know what he wanted to hear or, or made him feel confident going forward and and um i couldn't be more happy that he sees, um, that we want to win just as much as he does. And that there's a lot of great things that are going to, um, happen while he's a Laker and, um, you know, continues to be a Laker.
2: I wonder is was there something reaffirming about him signing that deal? Because if I'm in your shoes, when he comes in 2018, you and I have had long conversations about how that Unfolded. And part of it was, you know, changing the structure in the front office and making this environment with the Lakers something that LeBron would feel comfortable coming to. Admittedly, you know, we get into these sports rider debates. I am constantly pushing back on the idea that he was coming no matter what, come hell or high water. I don't believe that. I think that he needed to see, you know, that it was going to operate in a certain kind of way. But then, he, you know, this four years later. You know, if if it was not going well enough. He, he's guys got plenty of options. Was there something reaffirming about him looking at who the Lakers are right here and right now, even with the struggles and saying, you know, I don't want to go anywhere.
1: Um, Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, he, he's, you know, he'll be an owner in this league someday. So he's going to know, um, you know, all the, the, you know, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always a direct path to a championship, but there's always a path and it's how you approach it. And, um, you know, whatever, you know, our private conversations are, he showed his faith in us by signing that extension.
2: You guys tomorrow, I just, you know, thinking of things with this team that that folks are going to have interest in. You have a Pat Beverly uh, press conference, I believe tomorrow, new guy coming to town, um uh, another major subplot of of the team this season is is just you know the Russell Westbrook situation and i only bring this up you know we had some reporting on our, our website the other day about russ and the idea that you know some chatter around the league that that pat coming to town would inevitably mean that, that russ was headed out pretty soon via trade and the history between two guys they they probably topped the list in terms of acrimonious history over the course of the past 10 years and that's why folks are trying to understand the, the dynamics here because Pat's a hell of a defender, hell of a player, but it's, it's putting two, you know, alpha males in the room who haven't really enjoyed each other in the past. Um, I did want to see if you were willing to separate some fact from fiction there and and tell people the current state of affairs with Russ, which has been a, a tough situation. And then, you know, what if any part Pat coming to town plays? Yeah.
1: I, I remember all the, uh, the, the, you know, video that, that circulated when the Lakers brought in Matt Barnes and, you know, his, his relationship with Kobe over the years as being, you know, one of the the, the best defenders on Kobe and now he becomes teammates with Kobe. Right. So, you know, I mean, we've seen these storylines before, um, Pat Beverly was brought here to play defense, to be that, um, you know, that, uh, you know, guy that knows how to push his teammates um, you know, sets an example with, uh, how he, you know, approaches his job. Um, you know, the day of the trade, he was already here, you know, after work hours, uh, working out, I got a chance to say hello to him as I was leaving for the day. Um, you know, he's, he he just brings that work ethic that, um, we value that coach ham values and, you know, is, is going to be a leader in the locker room. So um, it has nothing to do with, with Russ. And um, like I said, I think that people, you know, they love to pull up storylines and create something and, uh, but that just isn't the case.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's been a lot there. So I don't blame folks for, from wondering how that's going to go. Um, and and with Rust, the other thing that, that, you know, I thought about recently was, and this is in the context of the show, you and your entire family have taken a lot of pride for a lot of years and the stars who come to town by and large, you know, having good experiences, you know, and being part of the family for a very long time. And it does make me wonder how you have, processed and handled the Russ situation? Because we all know last season did not go as planned. You know, he's a proud guy who has accomplished a lot in this league. But next thing you know, you know, he makes the choice to fire his agent based on, you know, according to his former agent, Thad Foucher on on differing views on, on his future with the Lakers. Um, and by all accounts, just challenging, uncomfortable, you know, less than ideal situation. Um, how has ha- all of that hit you?
1: um you know I I can't comment on his relationship with his agent I mean that's right. I you know I all I can say is that from my point of view he he was our best player last year he played pretty much every single game showed up worked hard um you know I, I would have loved to have seen what this team would have looked like if they stayed healthy you know um it's it's really tough to win when, um, you know, Anthony Davis isn't on the court. Um, you know, LeBron was hurt, um, a lot of the season, but Russ showed up every game and played hard every night. And, um, you know, I, I just, I really appreciate him for who he is and what he brings to the team.
2: Do you feel, I I think you already kind of answered this. Do you feel like, you know, um, assuming, you all get into camp and assuming Russ is still on the roster when you have a first year head coach like Darvin, there's this idea out there that, you know, you should create the most comfortable situation possible for a first time head coach. Um, it doesn't sound like you have any concerns about, you know, whether it's different dynamics or maybe uncertain futures with certain important players, you know, having any impact on Darvin's ability to try to turn this thing around. Um,
1: you know, Darvin is, is, Fearless, he's strong. You know, that's it's it's for coaches to figure out stuff like this. That's what makes them coaches. You know, I I I lived with a coach for 17 years by the name of Phil Jackson. And, you know, that this is what um the challenges are. It isn't just about you know putting out a game plan and just letting them take over. It's it's about managing personalities. And coach Ham is prepared and is fearless when
2: it comes to to stuff like that. I had to just uh, hit the mute button real quick. And this is right up your alley as I've told you about our dog, Willow. So Willow's probably going to start bark- barking in the background in a second here. We got neighbors coming by. Um, no, and listen, I appreciate the candor on this year's team. And I'm going to, uh, last one for you, I'm going to let you go. And I appreciate the time very much, but I am going to make kind of good use of the the transparency component that we talk about, because we've had these conversations, you know, in passing in the past. And and I do, my attitude is, since you've clearly made a choice to, to, you know, share some of this stuff and put it out into the ether, um, you know, I think there's value in that. And, And so along those lines, you mentioned Phil and, you know, this idea that you still continue to have a lot of folks in your life, Magic and Phil being the ones who come to mind, Who, you know, you're going to pick up the phone occasionally and and bounce things off of them and talk to them and try to get their feedback on the current team. Some might call it unorthodox. You know, I think you and not to speak for you, you can clean this up if you want to. But I think you have shared in the past the idea that, you know, with some other owners that this type of stuff is not always being analyzed. You know, who are they calling and getting advice from? Um, speak to that a little bit. And that idea that, that, that seemed to become, and I wrote, you know, some of it was my reporting, the idea that, that Phil and magic specifically, um, still have somewhat of a voice in your world.
1: Um, you know, I, I think everybody knows how I operate and, you know, uh, there was, um, a lot of pushback when I, some, you know, I was on the Matt Barnes, (laughs) Steven Jackson, um, podcast up in smoke and they asked me you know who are the five most important Lakers and I answered right. that question important to me not like oh I'm you know a anonymous historian. Of, yeah a historian yeah. Voting. I I get to decide what's right for me so when I lean on magic Johnson when I lean on Phil Jackson, that's advice that I'm getting for me in my decision making process. it's not that magic is making a decision on who you're going to hire as coach. it's not that Phil is telling me who to hire as coach. it's um, talking about process talking about experience what happened when the, you know when you approached a problem like this this is these are just people everybody has them. Those those people in your life that you trust, you believe in, that you know are going to give you a straight answer, that there is no uh, separate agenda when they're talking to you, that they're going to give it to you straight. David Stern was also a person that I would lean on. And of course, Kobe Bryant. Right. So unfortunately, I don't have my dad any longer, Kobe David Stern, these voices were really important to me. And, you know, I'm sure as if people sit in my chair, they would do the same thing. They would call upon people in their life that have been um, consistent and straightforward and, um, you know, aren't afraid to tell them, you know, "You're, you're off course here. You know, you know, those people that aren't just saying yes to say yes and get you out the door. Um, you know, people that are trusted to me, but are they running the Lakers? No, I'm running the Lakers. Um, you know, but if people want to know who I, I go to and talk to, you know, I have my circle of people that I trust and, um,
2: you know, well in this show again the show does a good job of like agree or disagree you at least get reminded with you and magic in particular you were talking about four decades of history between these two human beings um you know and phil obviously a, an even deeper history um feel like i'd be remiss if i didn't ask because change is just part of life do you think going forward i mean could we see a world where where phil or magic or any other character who i'm not thinking of gets involved in in the process here or do you feel like this structure with you know Rob and Kurt leading the way in the front office um, and, and all the different folks we talked about, is this gonna be the way it runs? For the foreseeable future or, or might you tweak things along the well, way? well i
1: mean i you know it's it's not only rob and kurt but also uh, joey buss and jesse buss and they've they've established their voices in this organization and what um is important to them and the hard work that they have you know created with joey um finding us uh you know a player like alex caruso through our g league team continues to do so. Jesse is head of our scouting department. I, I think anybody, um, you know, could look at at how we've um, drafted in the last few years. Uh uh under Jesse, I don't think anybody's done better, a better job than he has. So as their voices become more influential, um, you know, I rely on them because they have the exact same um uh, desire is to live up to the legacy that Dr. Bus created. And so um, you know, those are important voices in our organization.
2: I'm gonna get killed if I don't follow quickly on uh, you mentioned Alex Caruso and it's a year later. Any any regrets on on not finding a way to I keep out of I,
1: I cringed when I said his name
3: because
2: <laughs> I'll yeah. get in
1: trouble for yeah. tampering. He's under other team, but you know, yes, I mean, a player like Alex Crusoe, you know, let's let's talk about Austin Reeves instead. You know, a, a player that was uh, went undrafted, was brought in, and has you know uh, earned uh, a spot on this team, and um, you know, another story of finding those diamonds in the rough um, that uh, Jesse and his staff continue to do.
2: Good stuff, Jeannie. Again, thank you very much. Um, you know, again, this was a look back, but also everything from the past is is still playing a big part in the present. You know what I mean? These dynamics, these people, uh, the way things work. The league has changed a lot. You've lived it, had a front row seat, been a big part of it. But a lot of stuff remains the same. Uh, I genuinely have enjoyed the show. Would highly recommend people check it out. It's Legacy: The True Story of the LA Lakers. I think new episodes drop on Sunday nights, if last night was any indication and, uh, hopefully see you soon. I think I am heading your way for, for camp. So I'll be, uh, making an LA visit at the start of the year, but thank you, Jeannie. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Sam.
0: Hey, baseball fans. This is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at one o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on
1: the Athletic app.